night, the Fan Morning Show is back on the air, and the grand com- piano has once again fallen on top of the heads of the Toronto Maple Leafs. Justin Cuthbert and Brent Gunning, a reminder that Ailish is off for the next bit, tending to a personal obligation, but we forge on, and we'll see how long the Leafs forge, forge ahead, because it is ugly, it is nasty. The Maple Leafs are down 3 nothing in their second-round series to the Florida Panthers, threatening to undo everything that they managed to accomplish versus the Tampa Bay Lightning. Uh, Gunner, good to see you this morning. Uh, this should be an interesting one. Boy, should it. Uh, I would argue they they are not threatening to undo all of the good work they did against the Tampa Bay Lightning. It is, in fact, undone. Kaputs. Look, I'd love to come here and, hey, the sun rose on a two... No, today's Monday. On a Monday morning, <laughs> it's all going to be okay. It's not. Okay, maybe they... Not maybe. They will a thousand percent win game five awesome looking game the stars are going to be shining uh, who knows what happens in in uh, game five game six after that but there's no world where they come back in this series and that is going to be the stench that hangs over the summer for this team it is not going to be they finally did it they finally got over it is going to be it looks like they're resting on their laurels after finally doing the unthinkable which is winning a single round of the Stanley Cup playoffs. So you're banking on the fake comeback. Oh, we're getting... I, again, I don't know that we get it for more than one game because there's uh, seemingly a 1,000 games off between every uh, game in this series from here That's until... why you thought it was Tuesday. They played on a Sunday night. <sighs> Sunday night. Making me miss succession for that. Shame on you, <laughs> NHL. Shame on you, Toronto Maple Leafs. It's just... It is infuriating. And, you know, I said to I said to our producer, Daniela, you know, I'm doing the postgame last night. A lot of times when you do a postgame show, or even just yourself you're sitting there reacting to it you're sitting with a loss you're watching highlights or you're moving on you go do something else and you wake up in the morning you go okay that was that was a seven out of ten bad it wasn't the ten out of ten it somehow got worse when i woke up and the uh, the sun has yet to join us right now or just peeking out it somehow got worse in the in the morning after last night. I could not believe what we were seeing, Cuthbert. Uh, we are going to take your calls at 7.30. Uh, you can call us at 416-870-0590 or one 590 or star 590 on your Rogers cell phone. You can rant. You can rave. You can let us know how you're coping. I think the coping thing might be Wednesday, like mm. uh, barring the fake comeback. We might have to do the coping thing. But if, you, if you're coping last night, if you had like some sort of strategy, I know my buddy last year, I thought it was the most hilarious thing. Okay. He just went out at 1030 at night and started watering his lawn, just standing there like waterlogging his lawn for no reason. It was probably raining the day before and the day after. But you have to do something to help you get over this, whether it's going to succession, going to uh, go to the fridge, whatever you have to do, whatever you are doing so do you to have get a, through this. Do you have a dog? Do you have a dog? I do have a dog. Okay, so I am, I am not like... You know, I we don't need to get into my relationship with dogs and pets on this show right now. That's we can. A, I'm actually curious. No. It's a it's a Friday morning topic, <laughs> okay. or, or actually, that's Thursday morning when I don't want to talk about the fake comeback that the Leafs have on, on Wednesday. So you can bookmark that. We'll come back to it then. I have never been more jealous of people with a dog than after an earth shattering sports loss. When it's not the dead of winter, I have no desire to walk mm. around when it's minus 22. Uh, you guys, all you dog people can have fun with that. I will say, though, last night it's it's 10 degrees. There's a little crisp and chill in the air. I could have walked around for three hours just sullenly going, come on, Rufus, how could we let this happen to to our beloved team? So that is, I think, the ultimate, a nice, long, sad dog walk. I think that's a, that just feels perfect. Yeah, me. there's something about, like, if you're trying to, if you're being sad, being outside the comfort of your own home, I think helps. So if you're the dog, or you're staring at a lawn, mm-hmm. or you're just, 
you know, you're just moseying on about. I think that's the best way to do things. So let us know how you are coping. If you are in that mode where you're trying to grieve or feeling like you feel the need to grieve, uh, let us know. We'll you also just have Frank yell, You want to yell at some of the guys on the team. I'll hear that as well. Or that. Yeah, yeah. that'd be great. A little passion. I think it's a, it's a morning that deserves. If a somebody little, could show it, that'd be nice. Passion. Yeah, it was, it was a lack of passion night. Again, we have Frank Cervelli on at seven and Joshua Cloak of the Athletic on at eight. Uh, so this is, we're going to do some short and long-term, I think, ramifications here. Uh, we should probably talk about the game, but I do want to ask, duh, we're going to talk about the game. Uh, would it, in your mind, would it have just been easier if they had lost in round one? And I ask you that because it feels like the way things are going, barring a fake comeback that extends into maybe a sixth game, yeah, uh, that, right. that uh, this is going to end the same way it would have if they had just lost to Tampa. Like, does this make things worse? Let's say they do lose in four games and they get the monkey off their back. At least you don't have to discuss that next year, but it doesn't really make anything different, I guess would be my opinion, both, both in terms of consequence and the feeling among Leafs Nation. Would have just been easier to get this done last week, losing in six or seven to Tampa Bay Lightning. I understand the thought. I still say no, because I think then what you would have inevitably had happen, and this wasn't the case because the Leafs proved this wasn't the case, but you would have said, look, that is just a team that just, they know how. It's the little things. And that's not testing yourself against the sixth best team in the NHL or the 14th best. No, that is one of the few teams that knows what it takes to repeat. And you could talk yourself into all that nonsense. But now that you have another huge moment where you needed your big guys to show up and they were completely unable to answer the bell, I think it takes away. I I have spent so much time defending this core of saying, no, 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 it's not a failure to show up it's this no 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 it's not a an inability to perform in big moments it's x it's y it's c how many more times do we have to see this before you have to have some actual real conversations about whatever it is the juju the voodoo the curse whatever it is that's infecting the core four the roster of this team that makes these moments pop up over and over and over again so because of that i actually think you do get some certainty and it feels weird to say Mm. that they finally proved they could do it and then they go out and look like this it proves everything we thought about them but i think that's why it's not easy or it's not better that they just did in round yeah i actually think you nailed that uh i think you there's nothing curse there's no voodoo this this isn't about you know the terror readings whatever it's nothing spiritual it's all about those four players and what they fail to do when the game changes i don't even want to bring up leon dreisaitl's name but you have to considering the context Mm -hmm. because there are players around this league and it's not just leon it's jack hughes refusing to let the new jersey devils uh, walk silently in the night uh this team these four guys do not have the extra gear they do not have the ability to take it up they have no they have no ability to realize the stakes, realize what it's going to take, and execute on that level. They were horrible last night. All four of them were horrible. At least William Nylander had a moment, but mm-hmm. all four of them collectively have been horrible, were horrible last night, have been horrible in this series, and it is killing them. It is the reason why they are not going to go through. Yeah, you could like, you could look at Cal Yarncroke and be like, what happened to him? But it does not matter. It does not matter that Ryan O'Reilly is giving you a little extra and for some reason he was bad also last night. It does not matter that Luke Shen took a step back mm-hmm. last night. The only thing that matters is those four players have debunked the myth that one series win would change everything, that that would give them a confidence moving forward to be their best selves in the playoffs, that that would give them a chance to liberate themselves from whatever shackles that the media, the fans, the 
the the machine around this team has put on them. No, this is entirely on them. They didn't get out of the first round forever because of those guys. They didn't get out of they're down three nothing in this series because of those guys. Zero goals, zero impact, net negative impact. I've never seen Mitch Marner play as bad as he did last night. That team and those four players who define the team, who are front and center when speaking about this team, have failed the organization and its fan base once again. Three nothing is as close to insurmountable as it gets. It's not over yet. But it may as well be. It really may as well be. I mean, you look at this team and all that's going through my mind when I look at the box score or just when I watch with my own eyes when you're what you're getting from the core four. And hey, Morgan Riley had an awesome start to this playoffs. It certainly petered off a, a little bit in this series. I feel like I'm doing the old Sam Mitchell. You had guys out there who gave you zero, 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 zeros across the board. You know, I ran I ran the numbers, make it sound like I'm an accountant and plugged it in. I went on hockey reference and I, I looked up some box scores, okay? I will give the Leafs credit. Credit for you want to talk about fake comebacks, the fakest of fake comebacks in a fake playoff bubble against Columbus. The big boys showed up in the game four that they needed that that day. Matthews, Nylander, Tavares, all with a goal. Marner, three assists. Matthews, two assists. Nylander, one. Tavares, one. They combined to go plus five. Awesome, right? You take that game away in must-win games for this team. And I'm not even counting last night because technically it wasn't a must-win. But guess what? The numbers don't look any better because Marner just had one assist. You have those guys combining for two goals, three assists and minus 10 in four must win games for your core four. That would be bad. If it was one guy's stat line, if it was one superstar to have those numbers in front of you and then never take Leon dry Connor McDavid, Jack Hughes, any of these guys out of the conversation. I wouldn't feel good about that. If it was a middle six winger or a middle six center, I was having that conversation about the numbers. They're just so nakedly bare of how nakedly bare the production has been for these guys in moments that matter. And that's the thing, too, is like the, they've been able to hide so far in these playoffs behind the fact that they have put together numbers. We were looking at the numbers from the Tampa series earlier. Mm-hmm. Very good. Seven two five <laughs> five goals from Austin Matthews. Uh, a lot of points from Mitch Marner. Yeah, they were able to sort of insulate themselves behind that. And it still meant nothing because you weren't able to carry over any of that momentum through and have it matter against the Florida Panthers. And. I am at the point now where we got to give the Florida Panthers some credit. I mean, this isn't just yeah. this isn't just one team failing spectacular as they always do or spectacularly as they always do. Florida has been really really good. They have been really really good. As much as like you're looking at that you're looking at a Leafs team that like constantly in that game, especially in game 3, the amount of times they were just unable to make a simple play. That is partly on them, but a lot of it is on the Florida Panthers. Like, they are com- they are always in position. They are always getting their sticks on pucks. They are making it difficult for Toronto to do what it wants to do. But that's the whole point. You've been shown now, and it shouldn't have taken until game three, yep. that Florida is doing something effectively, and it should force a change in your game, and it hasn't. And I go back to the, the LA Kings when they were the, at their peak, yep. or even right after their peak, and basically... They were analytical darlings for so long because they did one simple thing. They treated the opposing net like a magnetic force. (laughs) Like they just forced and funneled every single puck 
every single movement towards the opposition's net. And sometimes it put them in a position where like, oh, you just missed like a creative pass mm-hmm. that could have resulted in a goal. But it doesn't matter yeah. because they do things over and over and over again. And Carolina is kind of that new team mm-hmm. where they're doing that all the time. And we've seen stats. Our guys did a great job earlier this year in a, in a game versus the Leafs where they have about they have zero zone time because they shoot the puck so quickly yeah. at the net. And that's kind of like, oh, does it really mean much that your shot attempts uh, and your Corsi and, and all that, so all, the, all your underlying data is so good when you're forcing shots? Well, here's the thing. You're putting yourself in position or you're training yourself to do what matters in the playoffs, which is to make easy plays, which mm-hmm. is to always put the pressure on the opposition. And get, why didn't the Leafs get a power play last night? Is it because Wes McCauley hates Sheldon Keefe? No, it's because they didn't put themselves in a position once, once to gain themselves a call because they never had possession of the puck in the offensive zone. They didn't have a single cycle. All they did was wait for the counterattack, and they got a couple two-on-ones, and they cashed on one of them, but that's not winning hockey in the Stanley Cup playoffs. Winning hockey in the Stanley Cup playoffs is continuing to put the pressure on your opponent, and the Maple Leafs could not do any of that last night because they abandoned core principles in the playoffs, which is to just get the puck into dangerous areas and worry about yourselves first rather than doing all the pretty stuff. And this team is a regular season team still. They're still the regular season team that we that we know from this year. It's just that the other team raises their level and they don't have a match for it. They are nails in the in the regular season. They look great. They can do what they want. All those core four guys look amazing in the regular season because the game is easier. The game gets harder. They don't have an adjustment and we get the results that we're getting. Yeah, I agree with uh, 97% of that. You're a little too kind to the officials for my liking, but I even said last night, I want to hear. I want No, well, here, here's the thing. If you're going to call, I, I don't even want to do this today. The refs were the least thing that mattered in the whole world in the game last night. But if you're going to give Morgan Riley the, oh, I'm just here penalty, that happens. It is the holding in the NFL of holding in the NHL penalty. You're going to call that. You gotta, you gotta, you're going to have a never-ending parade to the box. Bunting caught one on the chops. It did not matter last night. I'm just going to sit here and say the Florida Panthers let me tell you who deserves credit for that it's one man and one man only it ain't Wes McCauley it ain't Dan O'Rourke it's the guy who was doing this after game two it's Paul Maurice he worked him okay that's what happened I I, I agree with you in terms of he got he got it worked in game two it worked early in the series I'm not giving the Maple Leafs any credit no and here's what last night and here's what I want to say about that is it this is where it is the we can debate all day and I think both answers are right chicken or egg Leafs bad Panthers good you look at the winner last night is if you're looking at it from a Panthers perspective you put on your Cats jersey you go meow when you're all fired up that that Reinhardt did the thing you say couple got dusted off last night that is just dogged determination just skating through four bodies and finding a way to win a puck battle behind the net and just jamming it home that's what you say if you're if you're looking at from the Panthers perspective I look at that and say there were the only two Leafs I liked on the ice last night and Camp and Lafferty and they're Mm. sitting there I didn't think hockey pants had pockets in them but they might as well have with the way they were just standing around with their hands in their pockets watching what happened on that goal. So it is, yes, give the Panthers some credit for what they're doing for sure. But man, for a Leafs team, what do we talk about all regular season? It wasn't all the goals they were scoring. It was the defensive structure and how it was a connected unit. And you see the way that game ended. And yeah, okay, that's one goal that I'm going to pick on. But man, that was so indicative of, yeah, tons of problems on the other end of the ice with the inability to finish and the way they play offense compared to other teams, for sure. But all the good things we liked about them have gone away on the defensive side too. 
Undoubtedly. Uh, let's stick with overtime there for a second because I think that really tells the story about this team. Uh, they looked terrified. They looked frightened. They didn't look like they wanted to be there. Before we get into that, let me just pose a question to you. How much of that stems from the coach? I don't know. You want to call it playing scared. You want to rewarding good play. However you want to look at it. Uh, We're all watching overtime and uh, kudos to the director. Well done by them of, and the Leafs set it up perfectly on the bench of here's the core four all sitting right next to each other. Not starting overtime was perfect from a story. How much of it is Keith say we've talked about this in three on three overtime. Do you want David camp to go out there and not start was O'Reilly? Yes, it was the O'Reilly group that started, which I'm not going to kill Sheldon Keith for, but if you have a core that makes $40 million, we don't need to go over the numbers over and mm-hmm. over and over again, but that's playing passively, is it not? Now, I can sit here and take the other side of it and say, yeah, what did they show you? They didn't give Keefe any other choice. Look at the way those guys perform, but I don't know. Yeah, it's, there's two sides of it, right? Like, if it's process-driven, is it like, okay, I'm, I'm going with the guys that are going. I'm going with the line that I think actually gives me the best chance to have or to survive a shift. And maybe if it's about survival, yeah, you nailed it. It's just about, hey, can we can we live another day here? Can we maybe get lucky and Ryan O'Reilly just is our savior and takes us to a victory without our core four even having to hit the ice? I don't really Almost know. Almost happened. I don't really know what that is. Uh, honestly, I, I, I think there's, I guess, the other side of the process thing would be like, well, there's our guys, and we're just going to keep doing it mm-hmm. because we believe in them. And I, I feel like they have lost a little bit of that belief. But in the end... Well, quick, quickly, just again, like let's just play the game where this is any other team. How bad would Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl have to be to not start an overtime for, for the Oilers? How bad would Mark Stone <laughs> they have would to never be, be that bad? How bad would Mark Stone have to be for Vegas or Eichel or pick your player, whoever yeah. it is? Go go through the league. Now the Hurricanes. But he are, does this all the time. No, like I, if he starts I, three on three, it's it's okay. We're not starting with our guys because we want to. Yeah, we yeah. want to get through a shift first. Yeah, I know. I I don't know if that's like he wants to just dip the toes in. Like I I don't know exactly what that is. But if it was a, I don't want to say a punishment thing because it's not. They're going to see the ice and did yeah. see the ice. It's. <sighs> It's it's a lack of trust, I think. Honestly, I th- and I think that lack of trust is born from what we saw earlier in the season when they had their chance to start overtime and they had such yeah. a a brutal showing. And it's and it is Sheldon Keefe, I think, overcoaching, overthinking, being so into his head about how he's got to make an impact on things. Mm-hmm. And like, listen, I think he was he's going to suffer the wrath here if they lose mm-hmm. and when they lose. Uh, uh, I mean, I was looking at the text line doing post game last night. People wanted the wrath last night. Yeah, it's 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 about as sure. That's, there's a lot of things that seem like they're sure things. That's a lock, lockety lock. I, I could not imagine him surviving, but it seems like it's all building so much that he is culpable, right? Like it's an easy move to make and you just have to look to game one, how they continue to get off to bad starts of the regular mm-hmm. season, how they continue to get off bad starts in these playoff series they dug themselves a hole. They put themselves in must-win scenario at home in game two, must-win scenario on the road in game three, mm-hmm. lost both those games because of the effects of game one and his poor coaching in game one. So there's all this trickle-down. You can really, you can pick your poison. You can take any player, any coach, anyone who's involved in the success or failure in this team and really run with your own narrative that way. But really the core of the matter and the truth of the, truth of the matter is that this thing is failing on multiple levels. Coach, depth, executives, everyone, but it should not matter when you've got four players, the caliber that they have. And if they just don't show up, which they didn't, you're cooked. 
And if they do show up, you can cover up for mistakes at the coaching level, mm-hmm. at the executive level, and with your depth. The truth of the matter is, if they don't show up, you're done. If they do, you got a chance. And truth be told, they haven't really shown up this playoff again. All, all told, the numbers are great in round one, yep. and they got through round one. But how much credit do you really want to give to them after nothing changes and after you really reconsider what happened in round one and how they got through it? The one guy who I think you feel differently about, and it's actually not us feeling differently, it's just us remembering that this is what he does at this time of year. And again, like I said, even he hasn't been great in this series, is Morgan Riley. Think about all the conversations. I don't know about you, but all the conversations I had coming out of round one was, yeah, team-wise, great that they did it. You would have liked a little more from Matthews. Marner was great early on in the series. You would have liked to see it more from him. Riley was the straw that stirred the drink. He was everything for this team, and he just flat out hasn't been the same guy in this series. But I think that that is the one piece of the core that you look at and say he shows up more or less every time when the chips are down. I just ran the. I just. I just said all the numbers there of how little every other guy has come through. And look, I can do the thing. Sheldon Keefe talked about it yesterday. Of yeah, Matthews comes in right first shift of the game, splits the bar in half. If it goes in, if if it goes in, it didn't. It didn't hit the post and go in. It hit the post and went out of play, and that's the game we're talking about. We go back to game six last year. He was so close to tipping one home. He's the best goal scorer in the world. We shouldn't talk. We shouldn't be talking about the ones he was close on. We should be doing that to say, oh, he would have had 70 this season if these 10 would have gone in. Not they would be alive still at some point in time in the playoffs if it was. So I think that's the frustrating part about it is we can have all the conversations we want to about Sheldon Keefe. We can have all the conversations we want to about Kyle Dubas. It comes down to those four guys. Mm-hmm. And John Tavares is a guy who I have defended ad nauseum as a good captain of this team. And this isn't me saying anything from the post game last night. I, I joked to Daniela, our producer, just just don't speak. Take the fine that it is to not speak. Because there is no word that came out of their lips post game that was going to make anybody feel better or look any better. But how many times do we have to have moments like this with him? The way it was supposed to work is that as he kind of dipped, Matthews ascended. And that is what happened play-wise. But... How many times have we been waiting for Matthews to have his big moment again? When the Leafs were unable to break through for all those years, I heard so many people, I said it myself so many times, of you just want your guys to come through in a moment. Why can't it ever be them? McDavid does it. You look all across the league. All these other guys are able to do it. And they won around. They finally did it. And here we are having the exact same conversation. Because guess what? It wasn't those guys finding a way in, in the first round. And now you're looking at them to put on the Superman cape with the hole they've dug themselves. Speaking of being insulated, uh, how much did John Tavares need that goal in overtime versus the Tampa Bay Lightning? Because Ooh. we are at the point. If that didn't happen, oh, I should say in my in my numbers, uh, I'll I'll say that they combined for three goals because I'll give him credit for his uh, pick goal that they took away from him in Game okay. Seven. Okay, okay, that's very generous of you. Very very generous of you. And he frankly needs it because uh, this is trending clearly towards being a completely fruitless. Totally tenure, right. Totally completely fruitless. Um, John Tavares. We're always going to have this debate. We're always going to be able to debate it, and people are going to get really mad on one side and really bad on the other side, mad on the other side, because John Tavares is going to put up numbers until the end of this contract in the regular season. It's yep. going to happen. It's going to have his 70, because, 80 because points. It, because yep. it's an 85% game. It is, uh, it's it's kind of shitty, right? It's mm-hmm. kind of, it's easy. Regular season hockey is pretty easy. I think we're just, I think we're, we're definitely reminding ourselves of that yep. now as, as we look at it. Like it's a different game. Mitch Marner can do whatever he wishes. John Tavares, he can play 
basically half-court offense and put up a ton of points because that's just how the NHL is nowadays. Mm-hmm. Austin Matthews, he can score 60, 60 or he can, you know, take a step back and still score 40. And William Nylander score 40 goals. Like, these guys are going to be able to do this over and over again in the regular season because that's how talented they are, but how just how it is in the regular season. But there are changes in the playoffs. We mm-hmm. know this, right? And the two biggest changes, I think, it is faster and it is more physical. And when John Tavares is dealing with a faster game or a more physical game, he is less of a player, which means he's always going to be less of a player in the playoffs and probably less of a player every year until the end of the contract and as long as he's still in the NHL. They definitely missed out on some key opportunities for this to be a worthy investment. It's trending towards being something that really, really doesn't hurt them, didn't like it, it... well, there's there's two sides to that as well. Yep. You do it every time because John Tavares is that player and he's been so good and you expect it, as you said, timelines to merge and everything to be okay. But they haven't got anything from it. For that reason, you can look back at it and wonder what would actually have happened. Yeah. But the truth of the matter is now, and we're talking about changes that might happen this offseason mm-hmm. and someone having to deal with the consequences of this failure. The best case scenario would that for would be for them to move on from John Tavares. Yes. It's impossible, but that would be the move if you could ever do it. Because John Tavares has no chance of living up to an eleven million dollar salary when it matters the most. There's just no opportunity for him to do it. He's not that player anymore. He's not good enough. Mm-hmm. He had zero impact on that game. And I'm honestly not surprised. I'm surprised how bad Mitch Marner played. Mitch Marner was awful. I was shocked at how bad he was. Shocked. Mm -hmm. I am shocked that Austin Matthews rang one off the bar early and disappeared along with the puck that went sent that, you know, uh, he had one one other shift in the third period and then he got his wrist dinged and you didn't see him again. And then we didn't see him again. I'm I'm not all that surprised that William Nylander had a moment and then he had some bad moments and then he had another moment and then he had some bad moments. That's just the way William Nylander is. There is nothing surprising to me about John Tavares performance and him being a non-factor in this game because when it is fast and when it is physical at his age and at his number unfortunately he's just not that player anymore and unfortunately that's kind of going to follow him around his entire career because he's won two playoff series and he's been one of the best players in the league for over a decade but i'm just not expecting anything from him anymore and at $11 million, that's a massive, massive issue. Yeah, it's interesting, too, because, you know, with hockey, it's obviously, you know, we think about it as a national league. But really, it's more like baseball and that you think about your team, right? And if you're, I, I think John Tavares wears this so much more from the least perspective than he does as the league. I think you look, if you're somebody you look as a general, you know, fan of the league, you kind of look at the numbers for Tavares and go, yeah, okay, he's not supposed to be the the second coming. You see what he is right now. But in terms of Toronto, it feels like there is a big, big propensity for him to be the guy and not saying it's necessarily deserved based on play, although I don't disagree with anything you're saying, to wear this the most among the core four because however you feel about Mitch Marner, more nights than not, he lives up to the 10-2 or whatever it is or 10-6. Austin Matthews, however you feel about him, more times than not, going to come through for his 11-4 or whatever whatever his deal is, and who knows what his next one will be. And even with Nylander, it's six and change, so it's, it's a completely it's different conversation. Yeah. Now, the one thing I will say about Tavares, and I want to be clear, he's not going anywhere. There's no chance. No, but there's the no move, and a lot of bonuses haven't paid out. There's two years left. Stranger things have happened. There's no way... 
But if it becomes a, you know, because this leads into what I want to ask you of who amongst this core is going to wear it the most. I think Dubis, with everything he did and everybody patting him on the back all throughout the deadline, he's kind of skating this summer. I'm not saying in the big picture, but I'm saying in terms of the ire of the fan base and who whose fault is this year. I don't think it's going to be Dubis. Keith's going to wear some of this. But from a player perspective, it's entirely likely that Tavares is the guy wearing the majority of the goat horns here just because of the salary and everything you laid out. I disagree. You think so? I, I think he is. I think him coming home, him, I guess, taking less. Like, I think he skates free of criticism. And I think he also does because there's an understanding, oh, you're not that player anymore. Mm-hmm. And it's on the other guys. And you can kind of just be John Tavares who came home and did the thing. And even though you like most representative of a failure to care, you know what I mean? Yep. Like, like when it really burns, like, what do you, what do you see from Leon? Like they lose yeah. Leon again. It's like, it's not even fair bringing him up because he's so beyond like what the reasonable expectation mm-hmm. is. But Leon Dreisaitl after the loss in game one, they hung out on the beach in Santa Monica before going to Vegas, and he was so mad, so angry. He scored four goals. I would be angry, too, if he didn't win that game. But he's so angry, and it burns with him. The lack of burning is, I think, a huge problem with this team, and no one is more representative of that than John Tavares. Like, we watched his postgame after, and you were like, take the fine, don't even talk, because nothing you can say can make anyone feel any better because you are not rah-rah. You don't lead by example in the playoffs or through your words. They brought in a multitude of guys who are supposed to be high character in his tenure with this team, and nothing seems to change. He's not the prototypical captain that is going to take you on your... He's going to strap you onto his back and take you to the promised land. That's never been John Tavares. He has two series victories in his entire career. He scored the overtime winner on both of them, which is a nice... Pretty nice, Jerry. Nice little thing for him. But he's not... he, He will never, ever be considered in the upper echelon of leaders and guys who have who have had it who have wanted it so badly that it was undeniable. So let me let me ask you this. And I don't I, I want to be clear. I'm not necessarily disagreeing with this. I also think John Tavares cares more than anyone. I just I actually like I'm half kidding when I say this. I don't know that he has the ability to emote. We don't see it. Like even when he scores massive but, but, but huge you have goals. The, do you have the ability to play hard for play sure a different no, way no, a thou- have you ever seen john tavares take it out of the gear that he's currently in no that and that i wholeheartedly agree with but the thing i get frustrated by is the idea of is people want this performative outreach i don't want austin matthews to come out here and slam lockers and say this is disgusting and be throwing his gear all around the room i want him to go out there and do that proverbially on the ice at mm-hmm. the start of every hockey game so and this goes back to the problem with this core john tavares wholly a pro, a pro or a part of this problem but you know, and who do you think, who do we think is the best leader in the NHL? You know, the Mark Messier Leadership Award. Is it Sidney Crosby? Is that like, let's just, let's, sure. let's say sure. it's Sidney Crosby. Sure. sure. If we plopped him into the locker room in August for the start of Leafs camp, does does it change? Is it able to get grafted on to Mitch Marner, to Austin Matthews? <laughs> God love William Nylander. I don't think it's capable of being grafted onto him. Likely and not. That's, and that's part of what makes him 
what allows him to thrive in this market at times is that he don't care when it's good. He don't care when it's bad. But that's the point I keep coming back to with these guys is that you have tried every conceivable way. You got the most serious hockey guy outside of Sid. You got hockey robot John Tavares to say, just care about this. He brings his own avocado oil on the road because the stuff the team brings isn't healthy enough for him. It's the Leafs. That's how seriously he takes all this mm. stuff, okay? And that isn't enough to break that's, through to these guys. You to had, me, that's desperation. You went the exact opposite way. With the most happy-go-lucky guy we have seen in the league, who also never won a cup, mind you, so maybe not the guy you want to bring in to get him across the finish line, in Joe Thornton. You had the somewhat mixture between the two of Patrick Marlowe, just the smiling, happy guy. It's never worked. You have tried every conceivable personality. At this point, at this say, I'd go the complete other way. Get Biz Nasty in there. Completely loosen up the room because there is something wrong personality-wise when you have tried that many different types of vet voices. You had the most hard-ass coach we could think of and he bullies his players which is both a fair accusation and overstated at times in Mike Babcock Sheldon Keefe he came in he went the other way there's music of practices we're laughing it doesn't matter they've tried everything and that is what I think is driving people up the wall so Mm -hmm. much is that you can you you can talk yourself into well this is the answer no it's not because I guarantee you they've tried it before so do you want to do consequences yeah like we've uh, it's not John clearly No. no Uh, Austin Matthews can sign a big contract this summer, and won't we all be lining up to applaud the organization if they get it done? That'll be an interesting day. That'll be an interesting day. Because here's because ultimately there is no world. It's it actually goes back to the John Tavares conversation. If we can we can have the conversation about John Tavares now, but all conversations must start with the caveat of there is no world where Kyle Dubas as his first active Leafs GM was going to say, you know what, actually we're good. Why don't you go take fourteen in San Jose and have fun with that? There's there's no world where Austin Matthews wants to sign a long-term contract extension and the Leafs say, you know, that killer instinct thing we keep talking about hasn't exactly showed up. No, it's mm-hmm. it's going to happen. If what's he wants num- it, yeah. If he wants it, and what's the number look like? It's it's going to be the sort of thing that is is going to change the narrative around him, right? Because it's going to be exactly what he's worth. Oh, how big would it be for him? If he he should start working on the Connor McDavid, uh, I actually am taking oh, a yeah. million dollars here, less, and here's it's a, still a no, here's ri- a quarter the, million dollars back, yeah, and this is the richest contract in league history still. But it's it's not going to happen. It's going to be that way. It's going to be whatever he wants, and I don't know if that's like an issue. Like if, if Kyle Dubas, if Kyle Dubas is guilty of anything. It's that he's believed in this core too much. Like the we can and we will, it, like it's stay by his word. You, and know, I, you and don't know how bad I've wanted to tweet we can and we will, but it didn't feel right after <laughs> one round. It didn't, it didn't feel right. That, like that's, that's the only thing, right? And, I, and that's not the reason why they are the way they are. It's not the reason why they seem like convinced that just the normal, right. the normal Austin Matthews yeah. and Mitch Marner will do. It's not that reason, but it has set this precedent where it's just like, oh, no. We're going to get what we want, uh-huh. and it doesn't really matter. And I think the thing that I'm going to be applying moving forward for everything that we do when talking about hockey is I'm going to wait what we see in the playoffs way more than what we wait in the regular season. And for that reason, I'm probably going to hate the Matthews deal because it's going to be a ridiculous sum of money. And I'm going to hate a lot of the things they do. And I'm going to look at that Cali Yarncroke deal and be like, yeah, but okay, look at Cali, what he did. Is right? Cali Yarncroke just Alex Kerfoot with good PR? Uh we should be skewering. He, I mean, he what? He's com- he's completely no show in this play. Like maybe he's dealing with something. That's the thing too. It's just like it, we can go down the rabbit hole with all these problems, but ultimately, playoff performance is this single solo entity that is completely different. 
And if you're looking, if you want to excuse this team, you can time and time again find the means to do it because they have the regular season record. You can just look at exactly what what they did last year, what they did the year before, how they look when when it's mid-December, and it'll always satisfy you because you'll always have something for your argument. But if you're not looking at playoff performance at this point, what, eight years into this, and after 19 years, one single playoff victory, a no-show in the second round, how are we not waiting what we see in the playoffs more than what we see in the regular season? And again, everything that we do this summer, they bring in new players. Maybe it's a different general manager that had this sort of success at this level. If it didn't happen in the playoffs, we got to get to the point in this market where we don't care mm-hmm. because there is a difference and if you are building a team to win in the regular season, great. You know, maybe enjoy a President's Trophy one day. Maybe you'll win a division title once. But it does not matter because it is a different game. It changes. And this core and this team as it's constructed has made no ability, has proven that under no circumstances that they can change along with the game. And really, that is the issue for this team. So I, I'm not wholly disagreeing with what you're saying but the thing i keep going back to is it's just it is the old problems irking in and it is not a roster construction it is not a play style it is between the ears with this team how many times and this goes back to of of years of of leafs of yesteryear because we actually didn't have the atrocious goaltender that we've seen in the past but Jonas Enroth is in net for this team he lets in a bad goal in the first shot of the game and they go ah it's not going to be our night we just pack it up and leave and it felt to me Like that Leafs team felt like they should have won game two and they didn't. And then Austin Matthews rang one off the bar. Sam Lafferty scores and you're feeling good. And then the game turns the other way and you're just not able to generate anything. You're just completely unable. And yes, give the Florida Panthers credit to a certain extent, but I still look at the way these teams are built. And yes, I understand what you're saying about, about the space dries up and you need to be faster and all of these things. Ryan O'Reilly did not forget how to play in the playoffs. I have loved no, what you've stink, seen. No, the I, stinks on Ryan O'Reilly now. I have loved what you've seen out of Noel Achari for the most part in this he series. He barely plays now. I have loved David Camp's game last night. I love Lafferty's game. You go back and you look at the bottom end of this roster, and that's giving you what you need. But it just continues to go back to the top guys. And what happened? They had a moment that should have been great, and it didn't go that way. And then they completely lay an egg the next day because... It looks like, and I don't think this is what's happening, but it looks like they're just sulking about the way the game went three nights before. The thing about the bottom end of the roster is that they can only do their jobs. They can do their jobs for an extended period of time. They can only carry the load for a certain amount of time. And even guys like Ryan O'Reilly and Luke Shen, you're seeing a little crack in it. For sure. Like Luke Shen was bad last night. Luke Shen, <laughs> he if, looked like the Mark version Giordano of him I was worried anything. about. And Gustafson's a complete, like, high event, catastro- like, boomer bust personified Eric Gustafson. And Justin Hall, you're not really you're not really trusting that much. And that shutdown pairing has never really been a shutdown pairing since these playoffs began. Like, there's it starts to build up and build up and build up. And, like, oh, there's a little bit more of a read on what Luke Shen, how can we get Luke Shen to make mistakes? Everything, like, when you rely too much on the bottom end, when you're relying too much on the supporting cast, they eventually falter as well. And they were, there were a couple guys that were great last night. You mentioned camp and Lafferty, but then they were on again for the overtime goal and were not semi-permeable, completely permeable to Sam Reinhart going in and basically taking a nothing play, a flip from behind the Panthers own goal line that lands at the blue line for the Maple Leafs. And Sam Reinhart basically waltzes in and does his thing needs one pass to get it done this team 
you cannot just rely on, oh, the, Luke Shen will get it done. Luke Shen will keep doing Luke Shen things. Luke Shen will keep doing it. David Campbell will keep winning draws. He'll keep giving you uh, zeros on the board. It'll be a wash every time he's out there, and you can get to the next shift. Mm-hmm. Eventually, you cannot count on those guys to do everything for you, and you're right. Once that that shot hit the crossbar for Austin Matthews, it should have been floodgates. It should have been, I'm feeling it. Look how close mm-hmm. I was. And every shift should have looked something like that. And I know you're not going to get two-on-ones on every shift, but you need... <laughs> if you play the Leafs, you just might. And honestly, if you play that version of Florida the Panthers, you might too, because they are cheating. Yep. They are pushing up. They are playing what you'd think into the hand of the Maple Leafs, but their gambling and their ability to be so tenacious on pucks is allowing or is pre- uh, preventing the Maple Leafs from actually getting and getting a bunch of those chances when it matters the most. They got them early and then they kind of settled down into the game. But that should have been all the inspiration in the world. Look, I am flying. I'm already got a, a, one shift in. I'm already going. And then we see nothing from them the rest of the way. Eventually, you cannot rely on, oh, the person, the veteran that's coming in yep. or the guy who wins a bunch of face-offs or the guy who can always get you a five-on-five squash. Like, eventually, they have to take over, and they have failed to do so, and it should come with consequence, but again, we've been talking about it. We have no idea how they can even manage the scenario this summer, because Austin Matthews still owed the bag, Mitch Marner's still going to be the guy, William Nylander might be out the door, but he's the one who actually gets paid a decent Mm -hmm. rate and gives you something. Uh, even in the playoffs, he's given you a yeah. little bit more than those guys. So there's just no solution to this. There's just problems and existing problems, persisting problems, and things they just cannot get through unless someone gets through to them, it seems. Well, and one other thing that's really worrying, and again, not to take this off of the big four, because that's that's who this is all on, but who's been the most consistently kind of since he signed here uh, for the best fair value free agency deal in, in NHL history? TJ Brody has been so consistent. Okay. He has looked so bad in these playoffs, just flubbing passes, really uncharacteristic mistakes of him. And you have to look at it and say, both for just in terms of what it means for this year, but going forward, he has been such a rock back there. What version of TJ Brody are you getting going forward? Is this some steep decline that happened in the case of two weeks? Is it an injury? I'd like to believe that's the case. Now, it's probably not going to help them at all in the next three games, because like I said, the comeback is not happening here, but it is amazing to see how this team falls in on itself once Brody is a slightly lesser version of himself. And I think he's been playing above his head, not above his head, but he's been playing definitely above his contract since he's been here. And all of a sudden you get a human or a slightly less than that version of Brody and everything just seems like it's crumpling inside. I think that, I mean, Sheldon Keefe can, you know, wear a fair share of criticism here for sure. Uh, But he's tinkered so much changes to everything. No changes though, to a shutdown pair that has not worked a defensive core. That's basically run, four maybe five deep Mm -hmm. this entire playoff i i could have swore they had 20 guys i was told i might have told people that it's not it is not as though jake mccabe and tj brody have been so brilliant that you could not split them up i think for a time what it was was that riley and shen were that way that you didn't want to split them up i don't want to split them up for sure but like why if if justin hall was struggling with mark giordano well this clearly has Capabilities. Paul goes back to the just the, Brody, Gier, the Gier, this is the Giordano problem is it, he's apparently not going to come so, out of the lineup. So give him, give him someone other than Justin Hall or Eric Gustafson. Give him Jake McCabe, TJ Brody, and, and Justin Hall. Just like let's see something yeah. different. No, I, I I have no problem with the way this has gone. There is no pair you could you could mention to me outside of like Gustafson Riley. That's the only one I never want to see. But other mm. than that, you could talk me into just about any machination. But it just goes back to the idea of we think Giordano is this guy who needs to be helped. It's like 
I worry that he's going to suck down whoever you put out there with him. I think that's part of the reason and, why and I haven't I, done and it. And I think that's valid, but like... In, <laughs> you have to try something. The, I'm the with not you. propping him up uh, strategy, I just don't understand. And of course, I guess they don't want to hurt his feelings. He doesn't come out. He plays less than seven minutes, I think, at even strength. He's basically a non-factor, and he was rendered a non-factor by the coach who didn't ever want to scratch him even oh. in the regular season. So I think he wanted to scratch that, that himself. That doesn't really make sense. probably part of the problem. Uh, yeah. Uh, puck management, just a complete disaster yesterday. Failing at like remedial tasks, mm-hmm. like just getting a first pass completed, getting the puck in. I deep. wanted them to go full. I've sounded like an Adam hockey coach. I just wanted the winger to just stand at the board and just, you don't move, just make sure the puck gets out. I, it was infuriating to watch what looked like is nine-year-olds playing hockey of just the mm-hmm. inability to just chip a puck past a defenseman, win one battle on that part of the ice. It was infuriating. How many times would a cycle go around and then go back the other way and you feel like you've won it and a D actually wins a battle against somebody and chips it up the boards and lo and behold, oh, there's Montour keeping it in or Ekblad or whoever it is back there. That was just such a maddening part of last night's game. I, th- I think it's the story of the series. The Leafs' inability to make simple plays and maybe Florida's ability to make those simple plays seem so desperately difficult. Yeah. Uh, I don't know what exactly it is. What's the stronger force, but for some reason in this series, what's simple is extremely difficult for the Toronto Maple Leafs. And through three games, it's added up to um, three losses. And now we're thinking about the same consequences for not getting past round one here in round two, they could have saved themselves from the consequences from doom this offseason. They could have saved themselves by just showing up in this series. That's yes, all they had to do. All they had to they do. lost in game six, game seven. Sergei Bobrovsky stands on his head. Mm-hmm. Samsonov, he's just too injured. Joe Wall doesn't give you anything. And he was the one shining star of he last was. night was Joe Wall. If it just added up to, hey, we couldn't get through the second round this time. But wow, we gave it a good effort. You might be able to survive if you're Dubas. Maybe if you're Keefe. Certainly if you're the core four. But because they've completely no-showed in round two, it should be, and it feels like it will be, the same consequences for not winning in round one. What you gained in round one, beating the Tampa Bay Lightning, you have given up here through three games against the Florida Panthers. Wholeheartedly agree. Yeah. It's, uh, it's, it's not surprising. It's not all that surprising, giving the context. Oh! But if you remove no. the context, it really is, it's shocking. It's, it's like... How could this possibly happen? How could they possibly be in the scenario where it was elation and let, well, not a, less than a week later because the games are spread across. It's actually nights. six months ago that yeah. happened. It's, it, you've given it all back over the course of three games. Three games you've given it back. Yeah. It's, it tr- is, it's maddening what this group has done to themselves. But guess what? This is kind of a microcosm. Every time we think they take a step, they show us who they really are is what it feels like. We are taking your calls, 416-870-0590, 888 or star 590 on your Rogers cell phone at 730. Let us know how you're feeling. The text line is flared up right now. We can get to some of those texts later. Uh, but after the break, uh, we will do our version of the A-list. At 590, the fan. 
I said uh, it would be our version of A-List. Like, mm. it was going to be any different. No, it's just like a, you know, trendy story that we're going to cover. Okay. Before, I, I, before thought of, I thought about pitching the B-List to you guys of just like sub-tier store, type of stories mm. that A-List would do, but I didn't want to be that self Like dark web stories? Maybe. I don't just know. Buddy. Maybe Beyond B? Let me, let me tell you, the web got dark last night uh, <laughs> with me trying to coax myself to sleep uh, after that Leafs game. My God! I'm so frustrated that that is what happened there. So yeah. I, had a, I had a little family function last night. And, and by the mm. way, here's the, like, I hung out with both my grandmothers last night. Oh, that's and always I, nice. And I just asked them about 67, like, where they yeah. were. And it's, like, where I am now in life is oh. where they were the last time the Leafs won a cup. Okay. It's just, like, <laughs> it's been, it's oh, I rid- it is ridiculous. I, I know. Any, anywhere you turn, you can just talk to someone. Then you get some context about how ridiculous it is that the Maple Leafs uh, uh, can't do anything uh, in the playoffs. It's really, really disturbing. Anyway, uh, let's get to that A-list uh, where another entrance has been uh, spotted, documented mm. in the race for the Ottawa Senators, apparently, according to Post Media. Oh. The weekend has partnered with Harlow Capital Group, which is two Toronto billionaires, to bid on the Ottawa Senators, joining the race that also features Ryan Reynolds, Snoop Dogg, now the weekend. This is like, a, is there like a, I know they're like private, like Tinder. Yeah. Oh, oh like uh, Raya. Raya, or, I think it's called, uh, where like, you got to be like, a le- you got to be legit. Shows you that I should be on there, definitely. There's, uh, there's definitely one of these now for just owning stuff. Got to be so sick to be like famous he, and have a little bit of money. Interest, sports, like you just put your hand up in the be weekend awesome. might, you know, be just a small investment you can get on the Ottawa Senators. We'll use you to try and get the Ottawa Senators. Who does the league want? I think the league wants Ryan Reynolds, no? Yeah, it does seem that way, but I don't know. Like, we always talk about demographics like, growing the game. Batman, I don't know, Snoop Dogg. openly talking about Ryan Reynolds feels like he wants Ryan Reynolds. Yeah, but that was like, you know, he saw Ryan Reynolds from across the bar, but did he know Snoop Dogg was in the bar when he made I, those uh, comments? He probably didn't know Snoop Dogg was in the bar. Does he know about the weekend being I don't know. I'm, I bet he does now because you know Batman's <laughs> listening. <laughs> this thing needs to end. or Well, I mean, it's pretty good for the uh, the B-list. Yes. We, we should probably... Uh, oh, no. The, I want the Ottawa Senator sale to continue for the entirety of the summer. I, I mean, I get it's a billion-dollar transaction, but why is it taking so long? I mean, I think because every time they wait a day, another famous person throws their hat in the so ring. It's, I think it's, that's why. I think you're just going to wait so until... It's, it's basically like an auction, and they're just waiting for more. Like, it's 100%. Because if all the paddles are raised in the air, say, what it, uh, who's, who's got the most cash? Let's just get this done. Yeah, and the, the frustrating or the sad part about it is that it, that has nothing to do with Ryan Reynolds, Snoop Dogg, or The Weeknd. There's all these nameless, faceless billionaires who are actually financing all these things, and they'll probably have way yeah. more to say about this. But they're just finding the next billionaire yeah. so that they can raise the exactly. price up. Maybe it's all a shell. Do the Ottawa Senators even exist? Maybe this is all just a capitalism shell game. Who can say? Okay, they do exist. I watched the. I I actually watched the Leafs beat them in a playoff series. I remember that. Means I'm old. That's the means I'm old. Is what that means, folks. Uh, Frank Saravelli. After the break, we'll talk about the Leafs. We'll talk about Leon Drysaddle. We'll talk about the Stanley Cup playoffs at large. Because despite you know what's going on here, I I heard other teams could score goals. I want to talk about that. Other teams can score and actually show up. So we'll uh, we'll talk about those teams after we talk about the Leafs with Frank. We'll do that after the break.